Okay, so real raspberry talk right now. I hate raspberries. And I feel like this might come from a deep-seated childhood issue in which we always bagged our grass clippings and we composted them. And I had to carry the, the grass clippings past some raspberry bushes to dump into the compost. And if those raspberry bushes weren't trimmed, have you walked past a raspberry bush, like into a raspberry bush kind of thing? Nope. They're covered in spikes, little tiny spikes. I am familiar with the spiky nature of raspberry bushes. Yeah, and it's tremendously unpleasant. And then you get to raspberries themselves. And I mean, they're fine. They have like a nice flavor to them, but they've got so many little tiny seeds in there. It gets stuck in your teeth and like just what a stupid plant is my point. (laughs) Now, Rob, just before we started recording, you mentioned that you suspected you may be allergic or sensitive to raspberries i'm 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 beginning to suspect Mm -hmm. have have you seen a raspberry specialist about this i have not seen any specialist about any possible food sensitivity or allergy ever okay have you have you tried smearing raspberry jam all over yourself and watching your skin for a reaction not that last part (laughs) (laughs) no i have not i have not done that (laughs) So, okay. uh, welcome so, to Future Chat 150, everybody. Yeah. One, one last, uh, one last question about raspberries, because I know that one of the allergy tests they do is like a pinprick test type thing. You could try like injecting raspberry juice into your veins to see if you have a reaction to that, and that might let you know if you're sensitive. That doesn't. That probably would let me know. It doesn't seem like a great idea on the whole. <laughs> Um, okay, so I, no, it's, I just, it's in the hole if it's being injected. I just I just want to bring it back for a second. So we're talking about raspberries, and Nick mentioned they have a lot of seeds. This and I had a conversation with it, one of my colleagues slash friends this past week about blackberries. Ooh, a slash friend. That's well, that's, we're friends. Very, very we were friends first, highly, then colleagues. Um, she was sitting at her desk, so it was I felt more appropriate to call her a colleague at the time. Um, we were talking about blackberries. She was eating blackberries. And I said, oh, I don't really like blackberries. They have so many seeds. Like they have even more seeds than raspberries do. And they're harder and like tougher to chew on. And so I said, I don't like them. And she said, wait, you eat the seeds? What? And so it, this, <laughs> I may have phrased this poorly, but so what she does is she takes a bite or like a chomp down or maybe two to get some of the juices out of the pods and then just swallows it. She doesn't, like I chew, when I eat a blackberry or a raspberry, I chew it until it's all fully broken down and pulpy and like I'm chewing on seeds. But apparently that's not, she really likes blackberries because she just takes a munch and then swallows the whole thing. I'm pretty sure what you do is just called chewing and then she's just not chewing. (laughs) She's like compressing. I mean, if you, if you eat it like a mammal, (laughs) then yeah, like it. It, I find blackberries unpleasant, but I mean, if you eat it like a duck, I could see it being much a much more pleasant experience. Well, if I'm to judge from bear poop, I think they do the same thing because you end up with a lot of like full seeds and bear poop is actually a really important way that like forests get their seeds, nuts and stuff spread around. But yeah, it was it was a very weird conversation. I was like, oh, I guess if I didn't do that. I wouldn't mind, like, the, I don't hate the taste of blackberries. I, they just have so many seeds. And raspberries is the same thing. But is duck and bear eating habits the bar we're trying to set for ourselves? No. I'm not, I'm not trying to set any kind of bar. 
Although, with in the case of eating blackberries, that might be something to aspire to. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Because otherwise, I'm never going to enjoy them unless it's like a, a juice or a jam of some kind where the seeds are either removed or like broken down. This is our 150th episode, which I've called the 150th episode spectacular. And I thought you called it the Sasquatch Centennial. Yes, the Sesquicentennial. My, what did you call it, Mike? The the Bicentennial? This I was like, bicentennial. no. The 150th of Canada was just in 2017. And everyone, like it was the Sesquicentennial that entered our vernacular last year. And we get to pull it out again for this episode. Let's just enjoy that sentence. Sesquicentennial entered our vernacular. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we're here. We've been doing this thing for a really long time. It started off as an every so often, like every two or three weeks kind of thing. Then it went down to every week for a long time. Then it went to every two weeks briefly slash every two or three weeks. And now it's every month. But we hit 150. Conti- we've been doing this episode, the show pretty much continuously aside from summer breaks since like 2013, 2014. I think 2014. 2014. I'm really proud of us. It was. I'm really proud of you. It was four years last week or so that we did the first official one that was branded as Future Tech Chat. Oh, really? Yeah. I went huh. back and looked in the archives. So, so because the first one was was it called just like a chat about the future or something? Yeah, it was. It was uh, retconned into being Future Tech Chat one after the first oh, one. Okay. But it was called the chat to, to the future or something. Or, or a ch- yeah. chat about tech bracket in the future or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it was tech chat in the future. Oh, maybe yeah. that's what yeah, I was there, yes. yeah. I think future chat is a little bit better branding <laughs> than tech chat bracket in the future. <laughs> I, I'm proud of both of you because there's no way I'd be here without the two of you. That is very true. Uh, although that does, that does assume that I'd just be chatting alone and... There's no way I talk that much about SpaceX <laughs> or cell phones. Well, you're also a senior contributor, so you're not even really like by your you volunteered yourself to not be a full co-host. That's right, I did. <laughs> and so, I I maintained the senior contributor yes, status. Yes. Much to our chagrin actually, because it would be much more fun if you were a full co-host, but alas. Um we do have a ton that we want to talk about in this episode, so I, I would be remiss if I didn't try to get us at least to the next phase of the show, which is, I'm going to call it follow-up because we are following up on stuff, but technically I think Mike would call it front matter now. Mm, it's partially front matter, partially follow-up. Okay. Next, so next stuff Mike, is follow-up. So, so Yeah, why don't, why don't you lead off, Mike? We're going to f- start with front matter instead of follow-up? I feel like we should start with follow-up. Oh, gosh. Okay. Nick? What on earth are you talking about? <laughs> Nick, tell, tell us about your new phone plan. Well, gentlemen, I've made the jump to Freedom Mobile. The future is friendly. Except that's the TELUS motto. Um, <laughs> so, in the pre-show days, the long, long ago and the far, far away, or where Rob lives now, mm-hmm. I was actually an early adopter of Wind Mobile. I signed up with them the second day it was available. But... After their introductory introductory offer petered out after a few months, I realized I couldn't actually get cell signal in the apartment and I couldn't get it at work. And at the time, 
I couldn't use Wi-Fi at work. It was just like it was all cell signal. Mm-hmm. And so I left Wind. But I thought, man, I really, really like this company. And I hope that one day their network is to the point where I can actually use it indoors because I would love to come back to them. <laughs> yeah. And precisely, I think it's one or two ownership changes. And here I am. Yeah, you're Freedom back. Mobile. Yeah. I'm pretty excited. I have one of those unlimited data plans that you, yes. you two have been talking yes, so yes, much yes. about. Wait, what? Unlimited? Oh, right. It's unlimited. Have unlimited, yeah. It's it's ten gigs of LTE speeds and then throttled to three G after that, which three G is fine. I'm totally fine yeah. with. Yeah. I mean for for the stuff that I actually do with a cell phone, I think LTE is like as nice as it is to have that connectivity speed, I think it's a little bit of overkill. Yeah. There are certain but things it's really good we'll for, s- but not like if I was use. streaming video all the time, then maybe, but <laughs> yeah. So you're finding that your service is like much like now indoors, you don't have any issues. You're finding your service is much better. Well, the places and they warned this, they warned me about this up front. They said the two places in Calgary that you tend to have issues are in the basements of places along Stephen Avenue or like the old buildings in general. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, that makes sense. That's fine. I tend to be on Wi-Fi there anyway, but you know, whatever. The other place they said you'll have issues is above the 25th floor in a sky rise. Huh. Which actually might have been an issue in our old apartment because we were effectively on the 20th floor. Okay. But I mean, worst case scenario, you start roaming and <laughs> yeah, you only have 500 megabytes of full speed data. But then it's still unlimited at 3G speeds. Hmm. But again, you'd be at home on Wi-Fi if that were the case in your scenario. Oh, yeah. Like nowadays, like you're right. Yeah. Like home Wi-Fi is absolutely just fine. Hmm. So I'm I'm curious about that 25th floor thing because I think most cell phone plans, like because people are the majority of the time on the ground, I would argue, unless you're like in a plane or a helicopter or something, you're you're on earth on some surface on earth whether that is in a building above the ground or not um that cell signals are generally bounced kind of only downward like the the highest plane they ever hit is parallel to the vertical of wherever the cell phone tower is but other than that they're aimed mostly down they're not shooting cell phone signals into space because that's just a waste of bandwidth (laughs) (laughs) um so it makes sense that if they only put their towers at a certain height in some areas that they just wouldn't reach, they, they there's no signals being sent up. So you wouldn't be able to really connect that well. If I'm reverse engineering a hypothesis to why this is the case. Yeah. Well, that makes sense to me. Like the other part is they'll often try to put the cell towers on just higher topographical yeah, oh areas yeah. so that you're effectively higher than the cell tower when you're shooting down. Yeah. Right. So there's that aspect too. So yeah, just based on where freedom's towers are, um, there's that kind of limit on, on how high up you can go before you start running into signal issues. Yep. So, but so Nick, you'd say yes. you're very happy with it. Uh, so far pretty happy. Yeah. Okay. I'm it's it. I remember you were talking a couple weeks ago about if you were on like a Google plan, how you'd kind of hold back a little mm-hmm. bit before you hit every 
you know, even gigabyte yep. because every even give gigabyte is slightly more money. Mm-hmm. And I, it's interesting because I actually have to, I've been stopping myself from watching like hilarious gifts on Reddit <laughs> on the go because I'm like, oh man, that's a lot of data. But now I'm like, oh, I shouldn't watch that on mobile. And they're like, I mean, there's no reason for me not to watch it on mobile. And so now I, well, that's I giggle on the bus a lot more. Right. Yeah. yeah. I actually, before we move off this piece of follow-up, I should I should point out, I can actually now say it on air. I don't think I've mentioned it before intentionally, um, but I got a notice from Fido the other day that um, our magic 15 gigabyte plan that I had signed Julia up for by accident was corrected. Mm. The error was noticed and I will, we will only, we were not charged anymore. They were very careful to point out, but in the future, we will not have 15 gigabytes. We'll be back to the 10 that are outlined in the contract so i'm kind of sad but on the other hand it was i was floating the law so to speak are we sure we didn't talk about that on the air maybe that was just in slack that we talked about that yeah Yeah. i i specifically tried not to mention it because i didn't (laughs) want any fido representatives to go hey wait what someone's happened but clearly they found out you're right one of our dozens of listeners could have caught that you never know. There was uh, actually someone in my Pokemon chat that had the same thing. They were with Fido, yeah, and they yeah. uh, they saw fifteen on their plan instead of the ten. Mm-hmm. So must have been kind of a not not restricted to just your account, which is probably right. going to be more easily noticed than if it was just you. Yeah, exactly. If it was just me, I don't think they would have. Like, <clears throat> I assume people in the same way that you and I are on grandfathered plans. If the vast majority of their customer base was on a plan like that, I think they would be much more eager to kind of figure that out and get them off that plan. Right. Um, they're starting to offer, I don't know about you, Mike, but they're starting to offer me very good deals. Like I can get a $0 iPhone eight. If I upgrade my plan, I'm like, wow, that's, that's like a nine or a thousand dollars stuff city. Yeah. Right. So like my, I think I've been offered, or at least it's just the generic, or general Fido uh, loyalty offer. You can mm-hmm. like a $0 S8, I think. Right, yeah. So, I mean, we can, I guess, segue into what I was going to talk about, but uh, but I was considering the the subsidized S8 as well, but right. none of their plans were uh, alluring enough for me to leave <laughs> what I have. No, of course not. I was, uh, so I, I ended up getting a OnePlus 5T, Mm -hmm. Uh, to replace the note Four that could no longer stay on reliably (laughs) while being used throughout the day uh i'd leave the house with it effectively fully charged like i'd unplug it first thing in the morning go about my morning and then leave the house and then it would die halfway through my commute because it would drop down to like 50 percent battery while running maps and pocket casts and just die so i go well that's nice I'm glad it lasted a full two hours in my day. <laughs> um, so I have to charge it at work and then again, kind of rinse and repeat, use it yep. down to 50% and then it shuts off again. So it's like, okay, well, this isn't tenable. So then well, I, I'd, yeah. I'd run out of replacement batteries for it. Exactly. So like a couple of years, I think about a year or so ago, maybe, yeah, about a year ago, I bought a handful of replacement Note 4 batteries. And in all honesty, I don't know if they were genuine batteries or not. Like they were from the android central store okay so it was semi-vetted it wasn't just like a random seller mm-hmm. off ebay or whatever but i mean all these batteries come from who knows where so but they yeah. they, they work for the most part um up to a point and then obviously they they stopped working like they either started swelling 
or just wouldn't hold a charge anymore. So hmm. uh, I was at that point where ran out of replacement batteries and was kind of like, okay, well, if I want any sort of reliable use out of a phone, I'd probably have to get a new one. Yeah. Uh, so, so I did look at taking advantage of one of the loyalty loyalty offers from from Fido, but uh, not only did they not have any like, so I could either keep my plan, but then when I use that option on their site, when uh, quote unquote upgrading my phone, mm-hmm. they still check to see what my plan was, and they said, "Oh, your plan's no longer valid." Yeah, yeah. and then they would make me choose a new plan. I'm like, forget that. <laughs> um, so then. I like looked at other options like buying outright and whatnot. So I looked at the, like the S eight and the S seven and mm-hmm. cause I wanted to kind of possibly stick with a Samsung phone because of my watch, as I mentioned before. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then I'm like, well, like I really want either like the note eight or the S eight, but I can't justify spending over a thousand dollars on a phone. Like right. that just seems kind of outrageous to me. So then I looked at the S seven which is about $780 on the Fido site. So you could get between about $750 to $780, depending where you bought it from. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of leaning toward that. But then I remembered like the OnePlus. And I was like, oh, maybe I should check to see what they have. And sure enough, like their newest phone, the 5T, which was released in November of 2017, was the same price as an S7, which was already yep. two years old. I yeah. believe. I think like April 20... Coming up on two years Yeah, old, yeah. I think April 2016 was, an, was when it was released. So it's effectively two years old already versus like one that's barely three months old. Yep. And is, yeah, equally well, better than, than the S7, obviously. Mm-hmm. So that's what I have now is the 5T and it's been amazing. Um, works really well with my watch. And yeah, it does everything I wanted to do. Like I actually spec compared it to the iPhone 10 and it's pretty much spec for spec equivalent to what the iPhone 10 is. Aside from the operating system, obviously, but like it has eight gigs of RAM, 128 gigs of uh, storage space. Does iPhone 10 have eight gigs of RAM? I don't know about that part. I think, I don't think the iPhone 10 has eight. I don't think it does. It has either four or six, probably six. I would say probably four, but you think it's only four? Maybe it's, it's kind of a moot point. I guess but. it doesn't really need that much RAM with the way iOS is. Like yeah. iOS is pretty smooth as it is. You don't need a bunch of RAM yeah. to make up. It, for it uses it very differently. Yeah, than Android does. Yeah, but uh, but no, I'm really happy that it has like the dual camera system to take the portrait mode, portrait mode pictures. So played with that a little bit yesterday, and that was fun. So, but no, I, I've I've been really happy with it, and uh, looking forward to to using it for the next couple of years here. Hmm. Quick follow-up, iPhone 10 has three gigabytes of RAM. Oh, wow. I feel like that's yep. leaving a bit of headroom. Not very much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's... It, the iPhone has always been... Like, RAM has been, in theory, the bottleneck, but the way Apple closes apps is very different than uh, than the way Android does it. So you end up with... You end up needing a lot more for Android. Yeah. Even though you d- you would end up getting like quicker app like going back to an old app and needing to relaunch it like on on the note 4 it has 3 gigs of RAM Mm -hmm. but it really effectively only had one because it was always being having 2 gigs used up at any point like even if you basically closed all your apps you really only have about a gig 
before it starts like not really doing anything before it started mm-hmm. bringing up the you know this process is not responding it's like oh that's nice it right. feels like a nice windows pc <laughs> <laughs> okay so you have a new phone you're this one is the two sims right yes yeah you? it is yeah yeah um so yeah oh that's what i was, I was gonna tell you guys so like i had gone into the photo store because my note 4 has just the micro sim mini sim yeah 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 micro and there's regular sim Mi- micro and nano sim. yeah so it had the micro sim but i needed the nano sim for for the 5t so i went into the fido store and they looked at my account and he's like oh you're on the old uh 35 city fido plan and he's like oh that plan's <laughs> not very good i'm like it's like, it's like i think it's pretty good he's like well you know for, for it's like for what you get for it it's, like, it's not- you shut your filthy mouth sir it's a fabulous plan he's like oh for uh, what you get for it it's actually not that good i'm like like what do you mean he's like oh well you know if you're outside calgary like you're roaming effectively i'm like well I'm not outside calgary it's like oh right. he's like i guess it depends what you use it for it's like yeah plus <laughs> not gonna mention it but i have unlimited yeah. data too but yeah um which uh on that note, I don't I don't have LTE as I hoped. So you have HSPA plus, but yeah, right? Yeah, it's, it's fake four G. Yeah, can I? Did I mention that when I went into the Fido store to get Julia's new like the new plan with her that they looked up when they looked up my account? He was like, "Wait, it says your plan has no data." Yeah, and then I told him, "Oh no, it's like it's, it's the old unlimited one." And he he didn't actually offer, but he was like, "I I would buy this off you." <laughs> I haven't got that comment in a while. Either yeah. one about the oh you don't have data and the uh, old oh, bite off you. But mm-hmm. the t- other times where they've looked up our account, they're like you don't have data. It's like yeah I do. It's like no yeah. you don't. It's like yeah I do. No, it's in there. <laughs> yeah. So now all three of us are on un- unlimited plans. Yeah, I didn't actually realize the freedom one was unlimited. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. Although you're limited to forty hours of talk outside the home zone. So that seems like enough. You know. <laughs> oh, I. How do you even talk about anything in forty hours? <laughs> I feel like if we had no other constraints on our time, future chat could be forty hours a month. <laughs> uh, so I guess, I guess that's mostly it for the new phone updates. Was there anything else that you found interesting or worth talking about, Mike? You said it. The the phone did work with the. Um, galaxy watch yeah yeah it works with the gear s2 um mm. so very happy about that like the only thing it doesn't have is the native watch apps don't work like okay, say like yeah. the watch messages and email app work with the samsung messages and email app which all, all that means is i can't respond directly on the watch unless right. the android app is built for that like and i still don't really understand that part like with slack when it sends me notification, I can respond to a Slack message directly from my watch. Yeah. But I can't respond to an email directly from my watch if it's like from the Outlook app or from Gmail. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there has to be something on the app side to yeah, allow to build response in. from a notification, basically, mm-hmm. which the watch allows when that feature is enabled. Yeah. Um, but but otherwise, it's it works perfectly and, you know, stays connected and does all its stuff. Like the the... 5t like the play store has a gear s plugin which okay. allows for the watch to communicate with the phone as if it were a samsung phone mm. um so yeah i know it works it works really well with that and uh what i really liked with with my my phone and what i 
I I still take joy in it every time I do it is the face unlock and the rear fingerprint unlock. Right. Like those are amazing, like game changing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, especially I'd say both equally. Like the face unlock's really nice because I can like literally just like wake the screen and it unlocks immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And if I don't want to like if I if I feel too lazy to wake the screen, I can just put my finger on the back and it mm-hmm. opens up right away. So yeah. loving that part. And the other part I noticed, and Nick, you mentioned this when you got your new phone, the the Pixel 2, was and it, this didn't happen on my Note four which maybe it's been with a new update of the operating system but it allows you to re-download like reinstall all your apps that were currently installed on your other phone so you you install from your google account and your Mm -hmm. google account tells the new phone how many apps are currently installed on the phone and it allows you to pick and choose which ones to install on the new phone yeah oh really because mine just i said yeah do everything and my new phone was set up exactly as the old one right down to the background picture which i like okay yeah they're getting good at that see mine i don't think mine did that at least i didn't notice like (laughs) yeah no it's no the the background picture is what was on the on the phone before i think i think it depends if you do go and do a full kind of restore from backup versus kind of updating all the apps i think it probably depends on the manufacturer nick did you restore from your google account or through like bluetooth or whatever i believe it was from my google account because Mm. i couldn't get the two to connect okay Mm. and did you have to do anything on your old phone prior to like do some sort of backup no okay like it it had automatically backed up like half an hour before i tried because i i remember checking going oh man how old is this backup and it was like 31 minutes old and i went oh (laughs) surprisingly recent so did it set up like your home screen the same way as well Um, like with widgets and icon locations and whatnot i think it almost did the difference being let me just grab my phone and look here there's room for five icons mm. wide on the new phone and it was four icons wide on the old phone mm. so yeah mine that's it it actually like put them to the side i think okay cool yeah no i i wish mine had done that like mine just it reinstalled the apps but didn't set up any of the icons or anything like that uh but nick you went from the nexus 5 to the pixel 2 right yeah mm-hmm. so i think maybe going from what's effectively a nexus to a nexus I have a theory, and this is just because... Is your theory that I'm misremembering? No, no, no. Because I suspect that I might have. It actually, it actually works for both of your situations, because I think it might have to do with which launcher you're using. Because mm. I know on my Android phone, my Moto Play... Oh, I see what you're saying. Right when now. I did a backup, right. when I installed a new launcher and updated my phone, it didn't remember the layout, but it was because it reverted to the other launcher that it was using. So I think that might be, it might need to be your launcher settings needing to be backed up as well. Yeah, no, that that would actually make sense. And the Nexus 5 yeah. and the Pixel 2 would be using the same launcher, like the Google yeah. Now launcher. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Note 4 is using the Samsung launcher and mm-hmm. the OnePlus using the OnePlus launcher. So there wouldn't be that. There'd be no memory yeah. of that because it came from the other launcher. Yeah, yeah. no, that's that's a good good deduction on that one. Could be it. I'm not. As I don't want to guarantee. I'd buy it, but it fits. Yeah, I'm 95 percent bought into that theory. <laughs> this show is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ETB. 
Today, I wanted to highlight one of the interesting shows on the Alberta Podcast Network called The Nerdcast, uh, produced by Dan Chessel of the Northern Nerd Network. And I actually had the pleasure of being a guest on one of their episodes, episode 102, and we chatted a bit about our, our show there. And uh, I listened to one of their episodes recently, episode 98, called Role Playing Games. And they had an inter- interview with uh, a local dungeon master. And they kind of talked about how role-playing games work, what it's like to DM one, what it's like to participate in one, and just kind of gave a lot of insight into how that whole kind of world works. I've been interested in getting into role-playing games a bit recently, but it was always fairly intimidating. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, uh, how they worked, you know, kind of being new and joining some people that might be a bit bit more experienced than I am. And uh, I felt their episode really kind of gave a lot of understanding to how those work and just basically there isn't really much to be afraid of uh it sounded like a lot of fun it's very loose it's not very structured at all and uh, just people have a lot of fun doing it whether you're experienced or not so it really uh gave a gave a lot of comfort for me to know that uh that i should feel free to join one of these local uh, D groups and and see what it's like to play uh, a game of D and i play board games pretty frequently so i like that aspect of it but um role-playing games and D specifically has been been pretty interesting to me and uh, i'm excited to try it out sometime soon and uh, thanks to dan for for hosting that episode and giving myself and i'm sure other people as well um, a bit of insight into that world and, and hopefully encourage others to to do that as well so uh, you can check the Nerdcast out on the Alberta po- on the Alberta Podcast Network on their site albertapodcastnetwork.com. And uh, thanks again to uh, Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, for sponsoring our show. Okay, um, seeing as how we've spent half our episode going through front matter and follow up, Nick, I think we should start with your. Um, so I'll give a little backstory, a 30 second backstory. We decided for this episode, the 150th episode spectacular, that we would each go back and pick one topic, uh, that we had kind of covered over the years, uh, in multiple ways and multiple, giving multiple updates as they came in and just kind of talk about them for a little bit. And so Nick, I'm going to throw to you, which topic did you pick? I picked vaccinations because I thought for sure that within the last four years, we'd probably see like some improvement like maybe this whole like anti-vaxxer thing would be dying down a little bit but what i'm looking at right now the link i've posted in the notes is an interactive map of the number of disease outbreaks by like things that have been totally cured Mm -hmm. and north america is not looking good (laughs) i mean particularly alberta where we've had three outbreaks of preventable preventable diseases let me see if i can actually like zoom in and figure this out (laughs) stall for time gentlemen so while nick uh fact checks a little bit i want to bring up that while it might seem discouraging with the number of outbreaks the number of legis i don't know if it's legislation but at least the initiatives of making vaccines mandatory either on a school level or a state level like i believe california Mm -hmm. it's mandatory to vaccinate your kids if you're going to a public school yeah yeah that's um and there are just individual schools that will make it policy to have your child vaccinated if they are to attend so 
And that's that's how that's how Ontario has been for as long as I've been alive. Like every year a few kids would get suspended because their immunization records weren't up to date. Hmm. Now And so in Alberta yeah. since 2017 there's been 501 cases of whooping cough. There have been 9 cases of mumps. And there have been, oh, just one case of the measles in Calgary, which isn't too bad. That's, yeah. But like 500 cases of whooping cough. That's mm. actually, I I know two people that have had whooping cough. My mom said that, <clears throat> sorry, she made absolutely sure that I, uh, my sister and I got vaccinated because she, she tells the story that when she was little, she had it. And she actually thought that she was going to die. Like she was kind of coming to terms with her own death because she was coughing so much and just feeling so terrible. And I have a friend from university who got whooping cough while she was in, I want to say it was Africa or the Middle East. Maybe it was Central America. Anyway, she got it and it went extremely poorly. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, she recovered and everything, so that's good. But says like, if she ever gets sick now, there's it's a little worse on the respiratory system because she's had whooping cough. Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah, I mean, there was, there was a story a couple of weeks ago, I think in Toronto alone, they suspended around 5,000 students for having incomplete vaccination records, which is a good start because <laughs> yeah. if you're not going to vaccinate your kids, then keep them away from the other, the other kids. Right. Right. So, Speaking from being in Alberta and in Canada, like medical records are by and large digital these days, right? Yeah. Well, they're trying. So like when you're talking about vaccination records, like I believe we were given like a paper card for Emma when she was born to track her Mm -hmm. vaccinations and whatnot. Is that, I'd like to think that's electronic somewhere that every time we give her a vaccination, we get our card punched or whatever and but that's that's part where it's like i don't remember giving that card to anyone to actually update the electronic records if there is one yeah like mike honestly for the love of god keep such careful like make sure to be careful about that card and keeping it updated and actually keeping the physical card because like i went to i went to alberta public health to get my flu shot this this season so last year but this season um and they had a ton of trouble finding my records and i was like oh yeah i'm not at all surprised i haven't been here that long i haven't had a health card that long but then i told another friend about it and they were like no no that's just that's everybody like i've lived here my whole life and they can never find my records either it's like (laughs) oh well that's concerning and in ontario anyway it's that paper record that keeps you from getting suspended Hmm. interesting yeah also i think i talked about this on the podcast but they they told me when i was getting my flu shot they said oh so you have asthma um do you want this this vaccination for pneumonia because there's like a i think it's an antibacterial resistant strain that's going around southern alberta it's like yes please (laughs) yeah no kidding now i mean we have to tell you about these other things so we have can or uh, informed consent from me. It's like, just, just shut up. Just shoot me full of it, please. Uh, I, one of the curious things to me about this is that when we started this show, I didn't really know, like I knew the, the obvious vaccines, the things that you get 
as a kid growing up and like everyone I knew got it, like the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine. And one of the, like when we were kids, chicken pox was just a thing that you got. And now kids, like it's not a thing anymore because there's a varicella vaccine that's now built into that. Now it used to be the MMR vaccine. Now it's the MMRV vaccine with varicella being chicken pox. And it's just not like, unless you're an anti-vaxxer parent and doesn't get your kid their up-to-date vaccination records, then they do not get chicken pox anymore. Like it's such a rare thing now. And it just fat like, cause when we were growing up, like I'm not that old, I'm, I'm not young, but I'm not that old. And it was just a thing that you knew, like people had chicken pox parties where they would get their kids all exposed chicken pox at once so that it was just done. Well, people still do that. Well, why wouldn't they get the vaccine? Because, That's- because they're anti-vaxxers. <laughs> Okay, I'm not saying people don't do that, but like, as an as opposed to a vaccine, I don't like, know. You, how is it? You said had, so I want to clarify okay, I, that. Well, I guess people so. still okay, do so have those. The idea that somebody would rather give their kid an actual virus than give them an inactivated version that's in a vaccine yeah. just seems crazy to me. Like you could die from chickenpox. It's not. It's it. Most cases, it's a minor kind of skin irritation that lasts for I don't know, is it a week or two? And then it's gone, but it can be more serious. And especially like we talk about vaccines being for immunocompromised people, like they're the ones that are most likely to be affected very badly by it. Like if I get the flu, unless it's a very bad strain, the odds are I'm just going to be okay after a week or two. But that's not why you get vaccinated. You get vaccinated because there are people that can't and they're the ones that are most likely to like die or get seriously sick from it. Yeah. I'm still exploring this map, and I want to point out that in Toronto, the biggest city in Canada, there were there was an outbreak of mumps that hit 62 people, mm-hmm. and where's the measles? There's a measles outbreak in 2017 that hit three people. Huh. And like, how can a city that has more people than all of Alberta <laughs> or a, a greater metropolitan area, how can that whole thing? have fewer cases than alberta yeah mandatory vaccinations that's how huh. look at me answering my own question the, I, what a young go-getter <laughs> so we've now i don't know we we can talk more about this i i'm i went because i was curious and i'm looking at the world health organization page like the their little area on vaccines and i'm just going to throw a few facts at people so immunization just we're just talking here about diphtheria tetanus uh, whooping cough and measles the immunizations for those um, viruses can avert two to three million deaths per year according to world health organization and if the global vaccination coverage gets better it's currently around 86 percent for vaccines an additional 1.5 million deaths could be avoided so it's like it's almost like getting to almost 90 percent coverage prevents a bunch of deaths but we can prevent almost as many again just by getting that last 14 percent covered just seems like it's such an mm-hmm. obvious thing. <laughs> I wonder, I was just thinking just now, what if instead of vaccines, you strive to teach people like proper hygiene? Mm-hmm. So then you're not spreading as much stuff. So it's fine to have the vaccine, but it's like, okay, well, if you don't want the vaccine, then at least like carry around hand sanitizer and use that all the time. Like, I don't know. 
I, I mean, have, if you're trying to breed antibiotic yeah, resistant strains, then yeah, that's that a great idea. <laughs> also, it seems like very problematic. I, I, I'm sure Emma is a very capable and competent young person, but I'm sure that she's not going to. I'm sure that she's not going to cough into her sleeve every single time. Oh, you'd be surprised. She's she's very disciplined with that. <laughs> no, but I, I, no, I, I when I, you're I, not watching, <laughs> I, know, I know what you're saying. Like, yeah, like it's. I guess I was thinking more young adults and like just yeah, capable, more mature children, teenagers maybe. But mm-hmm. yeah, I guess when you're talking like five year olds, and that's not going to work very well. I honestly, I still see people. I see people my age that just freely cough into their hand and then go and do other stuff. It's like Jesus. People. I see people leave the washroom without washing their hands. Rob, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> what do you? When did I do that? You're you're like the king of non hand washing. You're like anti hand washing. I'm anti hand washing, but not if you've pooped on your hand. <laughs> does this happen like often? Literally for, on your hands. My fear, Rob. I I have made the argument. I'm going to fill in Rob's part of the conversation. It just goes everywhere, guys. It's so hard to control. How, how do you guys not get the poop off your hand? That's so weird. It happens every time, right? Hey, guys. <laughs> guys. No, no. I wait. Sorry, I, I, I missed something. Never mind. My point in the hand washing thing is that you people like it's like the hand sanitizer thing. You if you come to rely on hand washing as being the thing that saves you, hand washing itself is not going to save you. I, I'm not saying you shouldn't wash your hands after you go to the bathroom. I'm saying like. There are actual health problems that can be associated with washing your hands too much. That can't be the only thing you do to prevent communicating diseases with people. Oh, for sure. I think it's more like I'm washing hands to keep other people safe, more like. Yeah, that too. So we were at the mall the other day eating lunch and I was like, oh, we didn't wash our hands. I was like, and I touched like 50 different things in the last five minutes. Why are you just then, touching everything? Well, no, like not intentionally. Just your hands just go. You don't think about where your hands are going. Usually you just. Rob, Rob, have you seen the movie Contagion? Yeah. Oh, oh my God. God. Mike and I went to see it and I just sat there thinking about all the things I had touched in the last couple hours. Okay. So anyway, where I'm going with this is like, we were literally like halfway through our lunch and I'm like, oh, we didn't wash our hands. And I'm like, well, I've already like started eating and I'm not going to like if I've, if there's bacteria on my hands, it's already in my body. So washing mm. my hands now isn't going to do anything. Yeah. So at that point, I just didn't worry about it. But mm-hmm. like it's things like that. Though I guess if you had like hand sanitizer, you could just like use some right then. Like when you maybe don't have a chance to wash your hands. If you're, like, I would argue that using eat. hand sanitizer is worse than washing your hands. I think you'd lose that argument, but. We, we've talked another thing in addition to um vaccination oh, sorry i should clarify that we were we were just at like a clinic like a health clinic okay oh god so, <laughs> that's where all the sick people are <laughs> no exactly but then i'm thinking like well they probably clean that place the most too yeah so yeah. like you're probably worse off at a mall where there's like sick people wandering around and places not being cleaned yeah so i don't know we've talked a lot about Hand in hand with the with vaccinations, your immune system <laughs> being strengthened. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> did I make a pun without realizing it? You did. Okay. Um, we've talked about your immune system and how it is like even more than vaccinations is your biggest protector against getting sick. And like Nick pointed out, the the idea of resistant 
antibiotic or drug resistant um, bacteria, vac- viruses, I guess bacteria, bacteria, diseases. Um, yeah, any diseases, um, but specifically bacteria in the case of antibiotic resistant. Um, the, the fact is that in the next probably 10 or 20 years, we're going to get a big outbreak of a bacteria that we're just not going to have any kind of immunity to. And it is things like taking antibiotics when you don't need to or not taking the full course or using antibacterial um, soap or whatever the wash is that is making those worse. We're training the bacteria around us to be stronger and to attack us better by doing that. It's going to do that anyway, though. Like, that's that's how evolution works. Like, and bacteria evolves, too. So, like... Yeah, but we're accelerating the yeah. process by... By improper like use of antibiotics. We're eating them to be stronger. But it's a lose-lose. It's, no, definitely. It's a lose-lose yeah. situation, though, because you want better antibiotics that work faster and more potently. But as a result, like, the bacteria is going to... the it's, it's the strong ones that are going to get passed on and continue to be spread, right? And that that's the whole premise behind the drug-resistant uh, bacteria and viruses, right? You're making a longer term yeah. argument, though, because like the problem is that it's happening now when it could have been happening in like a couple decades when we have more time to actually recognize the problem and get research into the topic. Because mm-hmm. currently we're we definitely accelerated. Like, we're increasingly it. Yeah. we're increasingly using antibiotics of last resort. Yep. And an alarming amount of the time it's not yep. working. Mm-hmm. There's been actually like. I'd say 75% of the time that we go to a walk-in clinic for like a fever, like when Emma has a fever and she doesn't really have any other symptoms or whatever. And so they'll like kind of examine her and be like, well, we can't find anything, but we can give her this antibiotic. And I'm like, what, what for? Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, just like in case it's an infection. I'm like, but does she have one? It's like, well, no, but like she might. It's like, mm-hmm. um, it's okay. We'll, we'll pass. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, and like, there's even times we'll go in and she'll have just whatever. She's like, oh, let me write this antibiotic. I'm like, like, what for? Like, what for? Like, don't just give me an antibiotic. Yeah. And yeah. like, could you, she's like, could you please stop, <laughs> sir? You're just breeding superbugs. Like the like, I understand that people go in like literally looking for an antibiotic. Like they know they want an antibiotic before they even get examined. So I, I understand yeah. that doctors are just like conditioned to start writing the antibiotic and make the parent or the person happy. But that's not a good path to go down because yeah. like you said, Rob, that, that just breeds those drug resistant illnesses. Mm-hmm. So Also on that note, I have a sore throat <laughs> and <laughs> I think I'm getting sick, but the problem is it's this, I'm pretty sure it's this weird bug that's going around where you get a nagging cough for like six weeks and it never gets really bad. It's just you cough in the middle of the night and that's irritating. Mm-hmm. And the worst part is that I'm pretty sure I'm getting it from the the guy in the house and he's had the cough for like three, four weeks now. And I managed not to catch it for like a solid month mm-hmm. just because it lasts so long. And also I've put a link in the notes. Yeah. Um, from a recent quirks and quirks story about how coughing actually increases the bacterial loading in the room. Like, wait, sorry, let me, let me phrase that differently. What they did is they had sick people go into like an isolated room and then measure the amount of germs they output. Right. And it was surprisingly constant based on how much they were breathing. So just breathing spreads the germs. If it's an airborne transferred thing, but Rob? Yep. Are you okay? 
<laughs> Again, yes, I am very okay. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm going to have to leave the dog barks like, in now. Because <laughs> this could be it. This could be it, Rob. I think I'm okay. Do you need to go and confirm? Okay, well, while you just play with the life of you, your dog, and your wife, and your unborn child. Teddy will text me if there's a problem. <laughs> I really feel like he's trying to communicate with you right now by you barking. Should, you should train Teddy to press like a button that's hooked mm-hmm. up to a Raspberry Pi that then yeah. sends like a text or a notification to you Definitely. when there's trouble. Yeah. That would be no different than that experiment where they had a, what was it? A rat that had to press a button to get a reward. And then it just went insane pressing that button for the rest but, of its life. But you wouldn't give him a reward. You just say, if there's trouble, press his button. And then what? What's the, like, there has to be some kind of incentive for them pressing the button. Well, it would blow up your phone, but we wouldn't hear it on the podcast. I, I guess think. so. I, I would trust Teddy's intellectual ability to just be able to do it without any sort of reward. <laughs> I mean, I would love it if he just, instead of barking, just ran over and pushed the button. <laughs> that one. Wait, Rob, what, what breed is Teddy? Uh, he's a Lhasa Apso Shih Tzu. A What? Lhasa Apso, which is a Nepalese lapdog oh. and Shih Tzu. I thought it was like a portmanteau of okay, never mind. four different breeds. Nope. What did you say, Nick? Anyway, yeah. so so sneezing. Sneezing didn't increase the bacterial <laughs> loading, but coughing did. Okay. And so I'm thinking about it now. I'm like, huh, this just six-week nagging cough that never actually gets that bad. It's like the perfect illness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and now I have a sore throat and I'm sleeping a lot and it hasn't actually given way to a full cough, but apparently the onset is a sore throat. So uh, pray for me, gentlemen. So what, pray for what me. you're saying is that the symptoms are the best possible symptoms to spread this because you're just coughing for weeks and weeks and weeks. But not so bad that you might just get totally knocked out right. by it and isolate yourself yeah. or go see a doctor or whatever necessarily i mean depending on your job you could and like, see a doctor but i don't know what yeah, they would do exactly, for you yeah. so huh. is the end game just for the bacteria to just incubate in your warm moist lungs for six weeks i mean the end game is to spread as much as possible because that's what illnesses do mm. yeah but you also it's like in contagion or not just contagion but uh cgp gray's video america pox Oh, man, we should have done a follow-up on CGP Grey because we talk about him a lot, too. <laughs> it's true. Like, a lot of our really bad illnesses, they jumped from domesticated animals to humans. And diseases that are supposed to keep domesticated animals just a little bit sick are, like, really bad for us because we're not nearly as robust as a cow is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just, that's it. You, you, like, ideally, to further the survival of whatever illness you are you want to not kill your host and you want to be highly infectious right so i feel like the ones that really knock you out they're not as infectious because you're not spreading the germs as much like you're not out there breathing on people Hmm. i guess that's why the flu is so pervasive because it's the conditions like the the symptoms are irritating enough to do something but the unless you're immunocompromised like they're not going to kill you so they'll spread yeah right it's also particularly vir- virulent. Anyway, it spreads really good, is what I'm trying viral? to say. Spreads real good. Virile? Viral? Virile Virulent. is something different. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so do we have anything else to say on vaccines or can we move to Mike's topic? Well, 
like take your vaccinations vaccinate your children please so did anything change either with the landscape of vaccines and our thoughts on them between four years ago and today i think maybe just maybe the legislation is moving forward to say like okay people like god (laughs) clearly you don't know what's good for you so we're gonna start suspending your kids if you don't if you don't get them immunized which if you're in charge of public health and education is probably a good course of action from a utilitarian perspective i think vaccine rates are going up overall but people are now the vaccine rates are now high enough that people aren't seeing the effects of viruses on a regular basis and so you kind of forget about it and think maybe i don't need vaccines i haven't been sick in a while and then stopping. So it's kind of balancing out now that the rate of increase of vaccinations is tapering off because people are kind of forgetting why we even took them in the first place. Well, yeah, we've 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 made that point every time we've talked about this yeah. on the show. It's that they're a victim of their own success yeah. because people forget how horrible these things are. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also like I'll I'll admit I didn't get a flu shot this year because a <gasps> so th- this is what happened. I knew flu season was coming, but I hadn't seen any signs for flu shots being available. I'm like, well, that's weird. And then I heard like, oh, no, they are available. You just have to go in and get one. I'm like, okay, well, that's good to know. But then I got sick. And there's this thing of like, we're not supposed to get a flu shot when you're sick. So then I didn't. Who said that? That's just a common thing. Like, you're not supposed to get a flu shot when you're already showing symptoms of... Are you still stuff. sick, Mike? I'm not. But that's what I'm saying. But it's, okay, point, the point I'm trying to make is that it's not as convenient... As it could or should be, I think. What? Are you kidding? No. Because I'm, no, I'm not even... No. You literally have to show up and say, please shoot me full of vaccine. Pharmacies have it. You just walk in and they give it to you. I know. But grocery then you have stores to, you with have to pharmacies go to the pharmacy. have it. They need, they need a service. Do you go to the grocery Mike. store, Mike? They need a service that goes to your either your house or your workplace. Mike. What do you want? Like Uber Eats <laughs> yes, for vaccines? Yes, I do. Uber vaccines? I absolutely like, do. Oh, hey, dial this in. Like, yeah, Carl will be here in that 10 minutes. That would be amazing. Roll up your sleeves, wipe it down. I would even... You have unrealistic expectations, I would sir. even pay for that. No joke. That You damn is, well should. Mike, the grocery store... <laughs> it's free store, if you just go and get it. Yeah. that this Go get it today. This is not a good argument. <laughs> no, I'm not arguing for or against. I'm just saying that, no. that this is... this is. I'm, I'm fully admitting that this is what happened. Because of the level of convenience or non-convenience it is. Yes, I agree that it is as convenient as it could ever be in practical application. But I think it could be even more convenient if, like, with schools. The only reason kids probably ever get vaccines is when they, the schools have their vaccination day. And, like, the kids obviously have to sign their consent forms and whatever. But, like, at least they're going to the schools to do the vaccinations. If you rely on parents to take their kids, like, it's probably not going to happen. Mike, yes. you know what I want you to do? I want you to call your public health line in Alberta, in Calgary, wherever it is. Find the the telephone line that you call. Call them and say, "I am having an issue getting to a station where I can get my vaccination. Can you? Would you be able to send someone to me?" And first of all, listen to them laugh at you because that's no. Not I'm not. Accurate. I'm not saying that is a thing I but can even do. They would. They would send someone to you if you need... Like, if you were a senior citizen and couldn't get out of the house, they would send a nurse or someone to, to right. give you a vaccination. Right. They should do that for everyone. 
Mike, I have no problem having your. I'm glad that we had just a moment of silence after he said that where like Rob and I just the brain actually has to clunk into gear. It's like, hold on, you're you're making a bad argument. I don't have to ask the girl guides or tell us or direct energy to come to my door. So why? Because they're a for profit enterprise. That's fine. But a public service, a a public service like vaccinations should be just as convenient for showing up wherever you are as these other annoying things you don't even want near you. Here's how much do you want to pay in taxes exactly? In your neighborhood, we're gonna find I'm going to buy for next year. Actually, maybe even for this year, I'm going to contact the girl guides of Calgary, tell them the next time you go to this house, make sure the girl guide has a vaccine. She will give it to you. <laughs> she is not a trained RN. I you, would, not, this is what I you would get. not take a vaccine from a girl guide. You get stabbed in the arm by a girl guide. <laughs> That's your punishment for not going to any drugstore or grocery store or any like my building downtown just had two or three days where there were just nurses there all day. That's my point. I want that. That's that exists downtown. Just go Not walk here. around and find it. No. Yes. No. Yes. Rob, you proved there are clinics downtown. Rob, Mike, you, you work downtown Calgary. Prove my point. I went, I have gone to the clinic in downtown Calgary. But you had to go to the clinic, Nick. Mike, do you want someone to walk up and stab you in the arm with a vaccine? That's yes. literally what you're asking for. Yes. So I'm sending a girl guide to your door <laughs> to stab you. No, 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 no. Just, just Rob, somehow get me the vaccine. I will do it. Nick. I will stab Mike. As we've discussed, you can get yourself the vaccine. Just go get it. Say. No, I want to stab Mike. Say, I have a friend. With He's being an idiot. I'm going to go stab him. Uh, okay. Are you ready to move on yet, Mike? Yes. Okay. Are, Listeners on Twitter, are you, are you, if if you are ever in the vicinity of Mike and happen to have a flu shot, please stab him and feel free to shame him on Twitter. He's M-A underscore Y-Y-C. Shame him for not getting vaccinated. Thank you. Ring a bell. <laughs> mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you in part by ATB. On this episode, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about ATB's architecture. And this is something that generally uh, you think of as kind of maybe one of the more boring sides of a business. Uh, but I actually find it kind of fascinating. There's a there's an article here on atbalphabeta.com, ATB's um, beta program website, uh, describing what they've been doing to simplify their processes. And, and uh, they start off with a paragraph here. Imagine you had to run through an obstacle course to get from the front door to your desk at the beginning of every workday. And then again, that same obstacle course when you have to return from lunch, when you go for coffee, when you need to zip out and grab something for dinner. There's a lot of work that can go into building technology and and improving technology constantly. And uh, basically, the fewer hurdles you can have in your way when you're trying to iterate on design and on uh, different programs, the easier these things can be. And uh, so the ATB Alpha Beta team realized that their technological architecture has been slowing them down. And so they're teaming up with IBM in order to build a digital lab working on a new architecture for ATB. And basically developing a system that will enable them to rapidly change course on projects so they can they can rapidly turn things up on a new project or turn things down on something that isn't working and, and move to something that is much more quickly. Um, this is something that can take weeks instead of taking months. And 
they describe a system where uh, rather than making a change to an entire system and waiting to see if it will have a negative impact on the system, they can work much more quickly, uh, allowing them to, for example, change uh, deploy a new feature in one month instead of in eight months. And that kind of flexibility allows them to not only try things that work and really quickly see if they are working, but if something is not working, it allows them to really quickly change and fix that problem and make things kind of a lot more adaptable where technology is constantly changing. One of the things that we see with a lot of the ATB alpha beta programs is that they're adopting new technology and seeing if it works and taking the things that do work and getting rid of the things that don't. And I think that's a really great uh, process for any company or any individual to, to really optimize the way they do things and to never really dwell on any one thing too long if it's not working. And, um, that partnership with with IBM, I look forward to seeing what ATB can do because uh, they'll be fixing problems and, and iterating quickly on all the stuff they're working on. So thanks again to ATB for sponsoring this episode. Um, next up on our 150th episode, Sasquatch Centennial, um, I want to talk about wearables because Nick has put a ban on talking about cell phones. So... <laughs> I have not put a ban on talking about cell phones. I just don't talk when you do because I have nothing to say about so, it. So, Nick, you'll have to make your judgment on this because you actually weren't even a part of this original episode, as I found out when I re-listened to it. Um, oh, but man. on on future tech chat number four, I think it was nine. No, it was definitely like 17 or 18, wasn't nope. it? It was single digits. I had just really? looked it up. Uh, April 4th, 2014, we had Carolyn on the show and Rob and myself, and we talked about wearables. And at that point, uh, the smartwatches had just started kind of being a thing between like the Sony smartwatch and the Apple watch. And I'm not sure if the first gear smartwatch had been released or even the Moto 3. Actually, the Moto 360, I think, had been released. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they were kind of just coming up into public knowledge and awareness. And uh, at that time, I broke up the wearables category into a couple different different things for the sake of discussion. So I'll just go over them now uh, a second time and we can kind of talk about each one maybe and kind of see where we're at, if things have changed and, and what our thoughts on them are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first type of wearable that we discussed was lifestyle slash tracking. So that would be like fitness tracking and, and uh, pedometers and that sort of, of wearable. Are you sure? Because I thought we did an episode where we talked about sleep tracking. There, oh, sleep tracking is different. Yeah, no, I'm talking about we had an episode later on where we talked. I think it was 17 or 18 where we talked about specific like activity tracking. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So like, we, yeah, I want to clarify. Like, we've talked about all these things multiple times throughout the show. Mm-hmm. It's just this is the first time we talked about like a dedicated episode to just wearables. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's lifestyle tracking, and then there was functional purpose wearables which you guys had contention with because you didn't feel that they deserve to be mentioned alongside smartwatches and the like. <laughs> but uh, these would be things like headphones, mics, slash headsets, and VR devices. Mm-hmm. And then a third category being enhancing complementary wearables, such as like AR devices and Google Cardboard and that kind of thing. So so those are the kind of the, the three categories of wearables that, that I feel exist existed and i guess still exist which we can kind of uh kick off the conversation with so uh, the obvious one being you know the lifestyle slash tracking and smart watches in general 
at the time, they weren't as ubiquitous as they are today. But I mean, even back then, I felt, and I think most of us agreed that they were kind of the most promising and widely adoptable type of wearable. Mm-hmm. Um, not even just smartwatches, but like stuff like Fitbit and that kind of thing as well. But just smartwatches in general have been pretty well received in in the public. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with the, the, the wide variety of styles and price points that exist and, and just the, the benefits that they, that they offer. So like, I think all of us at this point have at least one type of this wearable, if not a smartwatch, like a dedicated smartwatch device. Uh, Rob, did you, I think you have probably have the most experience with, with wearables. I don't think at the time you even had a Apple no, watch. No, I didn't. But, but I don't think they existed or they had just been introduced. Yeah. Maybe. So, but at this point you are on your second Apple watch. Nope. Still first. Is it still your first one? So have your, have your thoughts on, on wearables changed since, since we first talked about it? They've definitely changed since the beginning, mostly because at the time I was kind of like, I was, I was much more invested in the idea of a cell phone that like <laughs> had to do everything all like it had to be everything well it had to fold and fit in your pocket and go well, in your wrist as well. i still want i still want no, that no you do <laughs> um but i'm much more sold on the idea that if so i don't I, my mine is the old um series two which is just wi-fi but i i think now that if i had obviously it wouldn't it wouldn't cover everything it wouldn't be the the one thing that i would need but I would be able to get away with most social interactions. Like I could go to the mall, for instance, if, if I was with Julia, I could go to the mall and out and about and not need a cell phone. If my watch could connect to cellular. And I think I would get along just fine. Like if someone sent me a message, I would be able to reply to it with my voice and I wouldn't actually need to take my phone out. I just do now because it's the thing that I'm used to. I don't think it's actually better overall. And there's no way I would have ever felt that before. Right. I think my thoughts, like, so you're saying that it's, you wish it was easier to reply with your voice or that at this point now you can just rely on At this point, it's good enough. So at the time when we first started talking about this back in 2014, if I didn't have my phone on me, I felt naked. Like I was lost without it. Cause like, I felt like I was disconnected from anything and Again, there are different circumstances, like if it was nearby or if it was upstairs, if I was in the same building as it, but if I left it at home and went to work and like got to work, I would feel totally lost without it. Because I would feel like I was disconnected from anyone that was trying to get in touch with me. Whereas now I feel much more comfortable without the phone. But if I have my watch off, if it's like charging or something, if it like if it didn't fully charge overnight because it wasn't connected properly or something, or if I just didn't have it on, I feel lost because that's now my main, my most constant connection. Right. And like, I'll, I'll often get home from work and leave my phone charging upstairs and just spend the rest of the evening without it. Cause I can just, I can see what's going on. And if I need to respond to someone, I get notified about it. Right. I I'm definitely on the same page with you there. And I think we're both at that same point with how we use our smartwatches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have the gear S2 as I, as I mentioned before. And, at first, when I started looking to smartwatches, I think I felt that I couldn't justify spending, you know, a couple hundred dollars on something that was effectively just another notification center. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but I found a lot of benefit and utility in being able to use the watch as like a filter for notifications yep. because I, I, I really dislike that feeling of a always need to have like, like my physical phone with me all the time. And that if I couldn't like feel a vibration of the phone, then I'd miss something. Yep. And then also like I, I wanted notifications for stuff, but I hated like, you know, a Facebook notification having this same level of priority as like a text message. Yeah. Right. Like when that phone vibrated in my pocket, I didn't know if it was like an important or not important one. Right. Yeah. But with a smartwatch, I believe I want to say all interfaces, like all types of smartwatches allow for this. I've, I'm not familiar with Android Wear though. So I don't, I can't comment on that specifically, but I imagine it has the same functionality as being able to specify which apps are able to send notifications to the watch. Mm-hmm. And that's that's been a huge benefit for me to be able to say, okay, still send me notifications for the stuff I want, but only send, you know, emails, text messages, and Slack to my watch. So that when my watch vibrates, I know that it's something worth, you know, at least checking my watch for, and then I can decide if I want to pick up my phone to do something with it, right? Mm-hmm. Or I can just swipe it away or just leave it as a notification sitting in my notification center. Um, as opposed to just feeling that like every time I hear, hear or feel my phone vibrate, I have to check. And then I've already like invested that amount of attention and energy into doing that. If it's not something I need to look at right away. And that way, when I go to actually look at my phone, if my phone, my watch hasn't vibrated in a while, I might have a handful of like Facebook messages and Facebook notifications and I don't know, whatever other stuff that might come in in that time that wasn't important enough to bother me on my watch. I can just address all those at that point when it's convenient and when it's without pulling my attention away from whatever I'm doing. Yeah. So that, that's, that's been my biggest uh, enjoyment and end use out of having a, uh, a smart watch wearable. Now, Nick, you have a Fitbit that you use? A charge two, yes. Yeah. So that that the charge two is a lot more smart the smart watch smart watch like than some of the other Fitbit and uh, other fitness tracker models. Is that correct? I think so. Although I don't. Well, for one, when I switched phones, it didn't. It stopped sending messages like text messages over my phone, which I just haven't bothered to change because. <laughs> Oh, no, like, honestly, yeah, yeah. under normal circumstances, I work in a lab, and if I can check my phone, I probably will. And if I'm busy, it's just not going to happen. So I, lately, anyway, I've tended much more towards just putting my phone on do not disturb when I'm busy at work. Um, but I, I mean, I kind of, it's not quite the same, but I kind of empathize with your distress when I'm not wearing it. Because, like, I use it for sleep tracking. I really enjoy that functionality. I use it for tracking my steps, kilometers, calories burned, whatever. What I really want is calories burned. But we've talked about that many a time before. And it's, yeah, I just, I like it a lot. And just, yeah. Yeah, you, you bring up the fitness tracking aspect. And that's the other part that I do use. 
not as uh, aggressively as, as other people might with a smartwatch or a fitness tracker. But um, back in 2014, I was skeptical of the benefit of, of a fitness tracker and, and what I'd get out of that kind of feedback. But I find that like I have a step target. And when I meet that step target, I feel like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I did actually was more active today. You know, I did go for a walk at lunch when I, you know, uh, could have not. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like my goal is not entirely intentionally, but it's worked out that if I take like a 45 minute walk at lunch, then that gets me to my target after that walk. So between like the activity up to that point and then after that 45 minute walk, it brings me to like my 6,000 step target, which isn't a lot, but like for having a desk job where, you know, I'm driving to work (laughs) and sitting at my desk, like getting 6,000 steps in a day is actually like, you have to actually do that. You don't just get that passively and just by the end day, Mm -hmm. oh, I get my, got my target again. Like to me, that's not a useful target if you're going to meet it without doing something intentional. Um, But I don't want to have to like go for a 5k run to meet my target either. Right. I want to be like, have intentional activity. Well, so like I have something to kind of keep me like motivated and happy that like I made a good choice that day. Mm-hmm. Um, or if I, you know, spend like a Saturday doing like yard work or whatever. Right. It will say that I met my target. I'm like, Oh yeah, you know, I did actually do quite a bit of yard work when I may not have felt or recognized that I was actually active that day. So like, I've actually found that, that really useful. Um, yeah. I, I totally empathize with you there because, I mean, being scientifically minded people, we're trained to not believe your your intuition in a lot of cases. But when you actually have the hard data to back up, like, oh, yeah, I did do that thing today or, oh, yeah, I was working really hard today. It's it's nice to see that come through Yeah. in the end. On the activity tracking side of things, the only issue that I have with the with the Apple Watch is the same complaint a lot of people have about it with activity tracking is that it doesn't start um, exercise sessions automatically. So it will it will notice if you're more active for a certain point. Like if if you if I ran for 10 minutes, it might give me credit for some amount of those 10 minutes of exercise and in, in counting towards my support. Like it it's it has a target of 30 minutes per day of exercise. Without me activating a workout it will still count some of that but it's not consistent at all and it could be way better about saying hey it looks like you uh not not necessarily out loud or on my on the screen or anything but it could notice that i've my heart rate's elevated it's moving a lot it has the sensors in it to be capable of detecting that i've started working out without explicitly launching it myself and at that point it activates a much more fine-grained detail of tracking like it'll measure your heart rate every minute or something or every 30 seconds instead of being every five or 10 minutes like it usually does. And I would get a lot more benefit out of that knowing that it's keeping track because the only time that I ever explicitly start a workout is, for example, like if I'm going for a bike ride or something, if I'm biking to work, I'll start a workout just because I want to like see how it went. And I think it'd be a much, much, much more useful if it if it detected all of a sudden it started moving like crazy you're probably going for a run or even a walk or something like it, it could very easily detect the difference between me sitting here doing a podcast and going for a walk. It would be super simple. Right. And it just doesn't do it yet. Um, oh, sorry, Mike, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say like on the, on the note of automatically detecting workouts, like I sometimes forget that the Apple watch doesn't do that because the gear S2 and probably most or all the gear products 
that Sansa makes. Like, it does a really good job of doing that. Um, like, I could be just wrestling with Emma for, you know, 10 minutes, just go, like crawling around on the floor, just doing whatever. And it'll be like, oh, great workout. Like, and, yeah. and, it'll, and it had been tracking for the last 10 minutes. So, yeah, so yeah. what it does. It's always hilarious when it does yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it's, it is again, it's that thing where it's like, oh, yeah, I guess I am actually like doing quite a bit right now. Like, it's, mm-hmm. and it's, it's very reinforcing that way to like help mm-hmm. me feel that I'm being active. And I trust that it's, I'm doing enough for it to be counted as like physical activity. Um, and it's, it's even like, it even auto detects bike riding. So like we've gone on yeah. bike rides and they, it'll detect like how your wrist is oriented and that right. is staying stationary, but it can detect like acceleration, deceleration and be like, yeah, Oh, this yeah. person's probably bike riding. Mm-hmm. And so again, like after yeah, 10 minutes, yeah. it will say, you know, this is your bike ride that you're doing right now, which yeah. is like, I love that. Like it's, it's so good. And I, I don't use the data for anything, but it's just those reminders that you're like being active and yeah. It's, I don't know, I really, I really enjoy that part. It did detect, it does have a feature in the latest update that will detect if your heart rate goes above a certain threshold for a certain amount of time without, without any, because it can detect activity. It is capable of doing that. If it doesn't detect activity, but your heart rate goes up, it will tell you, oh, your heartbeat was, has been at 120 for the last four minutes. And Are you okay? Activity. Yeah, it's exactly. Like you might have something. You're talking about the Super Bowl? No, I was, ta- we were playing a, a board game over New Year's and it was getting to a very, like, it was one of those board games where um, you're not allowed to say anything, but you have information that the other people on your team don't have. And is it Hannaby at all? Uh, it was called, it's called Code Names. Oh, that was a good one. Oh, okay. And yeah, so I was, I was the code master, I guess. Yeah. And I was just trying to communicate without being able to, that I had information and like they were, they were making it super stressful for me. So I was just like, come on, come on, come on. And they weren't getting it. And so like 120 beats per minute stressful. Yeah. Like I looked, I got my watch vibrated and I looked and it was like, oh shit, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really into this game. Yeah. Hmm. No, because there was uh, there was a football game, an NFL there was a game. I think it might have been before the Super Bowl. Okay. <laughs> There's a I thought big you were football game to the Super Bowl. Yeah, a lot There's of some football watching. game on. <laughs> yeah, I there was this field with a ball and craziest thing, guys. You wouldn't believe it. Um, no, there were a wave of heart attack warnings that went oh. out on the Apple Watch <laughs> because. They'd been sitting for 20 minutes or more, right. but then all of a sudden their heart rate was over 120. <laughs> yeah. So there were, there was, I think it was, it must've been thousands of people that got hit with the notification. We think you're having a heart attack. You should go see the doctor. Yeah. That's crazy. So it, it can detect those things, but it just chooses not to when it comes to regular exercise. <laughs> yeah. So I think the, the other part I wanted to bring up, because again, it, w- it was a point of contention on the first episode about my inclusion of headphones into wearables mm. i'd argue that over the past four years headphones and, and earpieces have become a lot more smart and yep. definitely like their own device for for mm-hmm. certain people um like earpods and the uh was it the hint that airpods what did i say earpods oh sorry earpods are the regular just the regular ones. yeah, yeah. <laughs> airpods and <Yes>. uh <laughs> the moto hint which i don't think is a thing anymore but it was kind of the right. first AirPod type thing that yeah. was around where like, you know, they cost upwards of a hundred dollars and are very much like computerized. Like they're not yeah. just an audio thing you plug in, but for, for people that 
want that added functionality and the kind of stuff that it gives. Uh, it's uh, it's its own thing. And I have actually seen AirPods in the wild a couple times. Yeah, they're everywhere. I mean, I, I don't notice them everywhere. I see them. When I see them, oh, I notice them. I notice them, them a lot. Oh, okay. Maybe Otto's a bit more posh than yeah. Calgary is. Very government town. People got lots of money to spend. <laughs> That's true. And the, the, Calgary apparently is not. No. It's a downturn, Rob. <laughs> Although, Economic conditions. If you... If you ask people from Ottawa about why the senators can't fill their seats, oh, do they tell you, oh, it's government, you know, we're poor, we don't have any money at all. We don't have money. Phoenix, let me tell you about Phoenix. We don't even have money to build a stadium in your own city. (laughs) That's coming soon. Hey, the Kanata senators have done very well for being in a city. How many people do live in Kanata? Kanata is part of Ottawa, legally. (laughs) No, it's not. Yes, it is. Are you still a rural player, Rob? Am I a rural player? Pokemon. Yeah, of Pokemon oh. Go? No, I never <laughs> said I was rural. I said my experience is similar yes, you to did. rural. Anyway. Rob, I don't believe you is the point of okay. this. <laughs> um, the other point we brought up originally was like AR and VR. And Google Glass had, again, either recently come out or just starting to come into public awareness. And it is effectively gone. So that's pretty yep. sad. It is sad. Um, Man, Kanata, Kanata in 2016 had a population of 90,806. That's that's a very small population to support an NHL franchise. Know, right? So wonder they're you're, even around anymore. Or still. Your pronunciation it's of true. Kanata is fantastic. <laughs> Sorry? Your pronunciation is wonderful. Yeah. Is, Whatever, is, Rob. Is Kanata on an archipelago? <laughs> <laughs> we've we've grown a little more posh here in in calgary rob canada get in the car and take out the garbage (laughs) i make fun but that's actually how i how i well not quite how i sound but i get that way after a couple drinks (laughs) so while google glass has fallen by the wayside we have seen efforts on both google and uh, apple's part to make ar a thing on like their phones Mm-hmm. Even if it's not like a dedicated piece of hardware at this point for for Apple or Google to prioritize, at least there's strides being made in integrating AR into the phone use so that you hold up your phone and can get additional information on whatever it is you're looking at or or just look through the screen to have a different kind of view. Like if you have something like Google Cardboard that mm-hmm. is, is effectively AR to a point, depending yeah. on what, what you're using it for. So. I think there is still a future in AR. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's taking longer than I expected. I think I, I really had a lot of hope for Google glass that it was like first gen, second gen would be, you know, way lower price point and <laughs> kind of being able to just, you know, similar to smartwatches, like smartwatches, I think progressed the way we all expected yeah, and yeah. hoped, but you know, AR isn't quite there yet. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like we are coming to a wrap on wearables and I definitely also feel like there's not going to be time to talk about SpaceX. Nope. Because how much time do you have? I have, I'm in the last minute. If, if we go more than 30 seconds longer, I'm going to go over time, <laughs> um, which I, I knew would happen. Anytime I call something a spectacular, I know it's going to go over. Um, well, Julia should have been forewarned then. She probably should have. <laughs> um, my my, I'll say my thing, but then I have to go, and I'll I will let you uh, to do an after show with discussing Pokemon updates, as as the other big theme of this show, um, 
in an after show should you, you so choose. So all I wanted to say about SpaceX is when we started, they had not yet been able to land an orbital booster. And we are now at the point where they launched their Falcon Heavy two weeks ago. And... Oh, Falcon Heavy. They, Falcon, <laughs> listen to you. Most people pronounce it Falcon. They landed Robert. two boosters at the same time, <laughs> simultaneously. And uh, I never thought that we would make that happen quite that quickly. And that the first, despite the fact that they lost the main um, booster back into the ocean, um, the fact that they did the two side boosters simultaneously and landed them both on the first try with Falcon Heavy is kind of fantastic to me. And the idea that there's a Tesla out there somewhere, like heading to somewhere between the orbit of Earth and Mars and possibly the asteroid belt is amazing as well. I did not so, think we were going to get there. I'd be impressed if they had like boosters on the Tesla that they could direct <laughs> it to land on a planet and then drive around. Well, they could. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> there are there, That would be impressive. There is still a booster on the Tesla, but it doesn't have any fuel anymore. And it would be insane to try to navigate via one solid, like you'd need so many more, so much more directional firing. <laughs> than they have okay rob that's mm. that's great you need to go uh, mike and i are going to poop all over your story uh that's fine i think you have to go <laughs> so i just rob happy 150th happy 150th yes mike what's up rob before you go i do want to acknowledge mm. that the spacex has advanced a lot in the past four years like so much and, so that you don't even care no, it, anymore and it's and that's the whole that, that speaks I for know. itself like i'm normalized i'm like yeah you know they launched a car in a space cool like yeah seems about right like and and that's that's amazing like for us as people living in this age like to be normalized to that like yeah whereas like just getting people into space well, i mean people into space is still pretty impressive but like the moon landing was yeah like a huge like worldwide thing and it's just normal for these private companies to be making strides like this and yeah very cool I'm, I'm, you, I'm still waiting for space tourism I'll be I'll be highly oh, impressed once that becomes a thing. That'll be really cool. The BFR is coming. All right. Do you guys remember where the X in X Prize comes from, or the X in SpaceX comes from? Exploration? No. Maybe. Is it? I think. And now I could be wrong. I probably am wrong, but I thought it came from the X Prize. It could have. Which I'm looking it up now. It was a contest from 1996 to 2004 for someone to achieve like suborbital space flight in, with like a renewable or well not consumable vehicle you can i'm gonna go but you can look up the lunar x prize which was just recently abandoned because nobody was gonna hit the deadline but it it ended it in april of this year and the goal like you got another 15 or 50 million or whatever it was dollars prize from x prize no but i'm saying i i did a project on the x prize in yeah. high school like that's where i think it comes from but, but there could was be an, wrong there was another well that's my maybe, read on it but there was another x prize that was to land to have a commercial uh thing land on the moon and it Exp the contest ends this year and nobody's going to make it so they kind of they all agreed okay we're not going to make it but it's kind of still an open thing that people are trying hmm. okay well rob you need to go hmm. you need to check that you still have a home I probably do but we'll i'll go check <laughs> marauders haven't taken everything and everyone from your home if they did they also restarted the laundry so i think i'm good <laughs> it's very convenient yeah very That's, those are very considerate marauders <laughs> all right well enjoy your your poke chat after show and will do thanks to our listeners for being here for the 150 godspeed rob happy 150 bye guys
Just wait for it. I don't think he's gone yet. There we go. Okay, there we are. All right. So I actually had a conversation this week that speaks to my feelings towards uh, SpaceX. Okay. And I want to just get it out there. Is that okay? That's very okay. I welcome it now that Rob's gone. Okay. So um, a friend of Kaya's and mine, uh, he and I were out having dinner because he was in Calgary for business. And he was talking about, well, he was actually talking about SpaceX because like everyone saw the pictures of the of the Tesla Roadster out in space, like on a rocket with the dummy driver. Like it looked fantastic. <clears throat> but he was asking me the question like, so how do you have people that are capable of doing this? And yet we're still looking for a cure for cancer. Like, you know, that if there are people out there with this level of ambition that they can accomplish this, why are we not putting them on projects like, you know, cancer research that we really need people on? And my answer to him was that with the engineering capability of humanity as a whole, like the the accomplishments of SpaceX this week, while impressive, were only a matter of time because it just takes the will and the resources being put towards that in order to accomplish it. And then it's just, it's going to work because we're fully capable of doing these things. Whereas with something like cancer research or the cure for the common cold, we literally don't know how to do it. And at the same time, especially if you're talking about the flu or virus or the flu or the common cold or something like that, it evolves so fast that it's a moving target. And it almost like, I want to say it doesn't matter. It, it might actually matter, but it's a much more difficult problem because the goalposts keep moving and like, it's a disease that's incredibly complex and capable of evolution. No cancer. I don't know if cancer evolves anyway. I, my point yeah. was that like it's it's just a matter of time for SpaceX to work, whereas actual like life changing things, unless you're using something like CRISPR technology, which was completely discovered. I mean, I don't think that was the point of CRISPR, but it could have these applications where you could, you know, scrub cancer mu- mutations from a genome. I don't think it's quite the same level of problem. It's just it's not even the same type of problem. Like like you like you said like private space exploration and you know like what tesla is doing or tesla what spacex is doing with you know landing the boosters and uh and that kind of thing like that's really cool but it's it's effectively like a solved engineering problem like it's just a matter of doing it like just and yeah it takes practice you got to tweak whatever but like looking for like advances in cancer research that's that's not a trivial or solved problem like you, we're still like learning how it behaves and what works whereas like mechanical engineering for space exploration and machinery and that kind of stuff like that's all known stuff like that's we're not we're not figuring out how like you know jet propulsion works right yeah and we're not yeah. we're not figuring out how gyroscopes work and all that kind of stuff like all this stuff is just integrating it in a way that you know doesn't fail when you try it versus cancer research which is like we're still learning about cancer right so it's i i kind of see the sentiment that that this individual had but it's it's not it's it makes as much sense as like well why haven't we stopped climate change it's like well it's it's not the same kind of thing like you can't just throw money at climate change and and expect it to work like i mean mean, like that even that's its own thing because you're relying on people and people to do things or not do things right at least with space exploration and cancer research you have dedicated people who are 
you know, siloed into their roles and can work on that versus climate change, which is a collective effort. Right. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. And like, like, I think if you could, if you could just throw money at cancer research just to cure it, like it would have happened already. I'd like to think unless mm -hmm. there is some grand conspiracy that is preventing that or, or not allowing that. But I, I don't, I'm not on that board. (laughs) This is, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, in terms of climate change, it's like you need you need a suitable energy currency that like can do everything that gas does as cheaply as gas does and effectively as gas does. And we just don't have that. Like we don't have the technology. So, I mean, that is something where I feel like if enough resources were thrown at it, um, we could just solve climate change or like fully transition to a carbon less economy, but the amount of resources required would be just ast- <laughs> astronomical compared to SpaceX. <laughs> <laughs> when like SpaceX is shiny and sexy and is very lucrative. Whereas I mean the Tesla Roadster. Absolutely. I think it's modeled after the Lo- I think it's the Lotus Elise that it's modeled after. And mm, <laughs> mm, what a vehicle. Whereas climate change it's like, well, what's in it for me? Uh, well, you'd use less energy and... Uh, well, life would be harder yeah. and more expensive. Exactly. No, like, exactly. That, that's what it comes, what it comes down, down to. to. No, it, absolutely. And like cancer research isn't like that because like, oh, it'll save lives and all that kind of stuff. But again, that's that's why it would be cured already if it was that easy because it's mm-hmm. 100% beneficial for us and it would like, yeah, there's like no downside to curing cancer, right? It doesn't inconvenience anyone. <laughs> Um, well, except for the fact that you have more people around. Well, but like, I'd still like to think that letting them die from cancer is shrinking isn't like the I mean, only way to handle that. Yeah, well, true. And the popular, like, the human development curve appears to be on a trajectory where the population will contract of its own means with further, like, prosperity to more people. But, oh man. I'm sorry, my brain is just like completely clunking out. <laughs> so, like, where did where did the oh conversation? Yeah, so like, like maybe not a problem. Cure for cancer would be great. And then I was like, but population concerns. But it's like, nah, eh, it'll probably sort itself out in the long term. <laughs> and I guess that's my takeaway. I'm I'm curious where the conversation with your your friend went. Like, did he have a satisfactory answer from what your explanation was? I think he was satisfied with it, but like if he wasn't satisfied with it, I I feel like that's the actual answer. So, yeah. And uh, like the other, the other aspect is research and developments that SpaceX is doing, like could have other applications, right? Like we've talked about before when NASA was developing their space program to send people to the moon, like they came up with a lot of stuff that we're using in other applications today like a- oh yeah like miniaturization has the miniaturization required for space flight has led more or less to cell phones yeah which aren't currently a great big deal because of nasa research yeah yeah and like there's there's an entire list i'm sure wikipedia has some sort of ex- more or less exhaustive list of all the different things that arose out of uh nasa research and that kind of thing so like it, it's not all f- just for uh like out of vain of doing like this privatized space exploration. I think there there's benefits to it for the, the greater good, not just to say, Oh, we, we were the first ones to send a Tesla into space. 
Yeah, and I mean, I am I am much more excited about the work with uh, the work that Tesla is doing rather than SpaceX because Tesla like with their even though I do think nuclear reactors are quite nice i think the work they're doing with renewable technology has far more transformative power for the earth in general unless space spacex starts like asteroid mining which could also be transformative for us yeah but i mean yeah it's i'm just the work that they're doing right now is fine but i don't think it's i don't think it leads to a paradigm shift yet until they they can and also, until they can prove out the benefits of investing in it and having more people doing it. Like you don't want SpaceX to be the only one pushing this frontier forward. And that that's, and that's, that's why, you know, he's, you know, on Twitter saying, Oh yeah, you know, bring it on with like Boeing saying that, well, we're going to be the first ones to, I can't remember. Was it Mars? Yeah. It was the race to Mars or whatever. I think right? so. And yeah. It's like, Oh, we're going to be the first ones. And Tesla's like, Oh, or Musk was like, Oh, bring it on. Right. Although if like there's a candidate for a bene- benevolent monopoly, I think Elon Musk could head up a benevolent monopoly. <laughs> I think he has the personality. Maybe. He's he's got the public appearance of it anyway. He sure does. And that's all you really need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so did did we want to talk about Pokémon? I mean, I th- I feel like the game has changed a lot. The hype died down. I think it's a much more functional game now. I still enjoy playing. Um, I'm excited for Community Day next weekend because even though I'll be in Edmonton, apparently Kai is going to be busy for Community Day hours. So I'm probably just going to head to the legislature and oh, yeah. fill my boots there. Yeah. Still need my first Rayquaza. So that's on the list of things to do. Oh, you don't even have one yet. I don't even have one yet. I think sometimes I forget like the downtown privilege a lot. Like like rel- oh, relative like playing downtown is so good like it's easy mode is literal easy mode um yeah like you can see that a legendary raid egg is gonna pop yeah you go oh okay that's when i'm gonna take my break you show up there's like dozens of other people doing exactly the same thing so you don't have to worry about getting people together it's just done like the only analog i've found is when we play at the west edmonton mall hmm. um if a legendary egg pops, you know that there are going to be a couple full raid groups there. Right. No, and, and at least there's places to go, but you still have to make like a trip out there. Like it's not your workplace. Like when you're working in town yeah, here. Yeah, that's true. Like are there like that's us doing it on our free time? Yeah. Like are there any stops or gyms near your workplace? Mm, like Deerfoot Mall. There's maybe? one gym, but if a Rayquaza popped at that gym, like there's no chance that I'm going to get it. Right. Like like, like even, even be able even to if go. I took a break and went there, it would yeah. there. Well, no, no, no. Like I, even if I could get myself there, I don't think it's reasonable to assume that enough people would be there to actually right. take it down. Right. Because what what are you closest to, like um, Sunridge or Deerfoot, or is there a different gym that would be close by? I don't know. I think I'd be closest to Sunridge. Okay. Yeah, but but even then, like, yeah, you can't count on there being enough people just to show That's up. That's also not on the nearby radar. So, right. like, unless I'm using Gym Hunter. Yeah. And I had a car to make the like 15 minute drive there. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's just not happening. Yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, in terms of Pokemon itself, I'm far more excited about the ultra moon game I'm playing. Mm. Cause I've, <laughs> I have bred a competitive worthy Bulbasaur and given it a good EV spread. 
and I've traded it over from moon to ultra moon. So, uh, Sprouts 2.0 is, is going to wreck some house. Nice. So is ultra moon a new gen or like a half gen or just introducing it's, features and mechanics? It's a remake of gen seven. Um, which is regular. Moon. Yeah. The well, sun and moon. Right. So the, the remakes are universally heralded as being really great games with a lot of post game content, stuff like that. You can get, I think you can get like 37 legendaries in the post game. As opposed to how many in the main game? One. One. Oh, wait, why, why only one? Well, you get, you can get your legendary and you can also get. What do you mean your legendary? Like the, I don't know what that means. Well, the, the cover legendary. So I caught a Lunala. Because it's moon. Sun and moon. Right. Yeah. Well, I caught a Lunala in moon. You can also, I haven't done it yet, but you can breed a second or you can get the, like the start of the evolutionary line and then level it up to get another one and then trade that for the other cover legendary. But that's two legendaries. So like the other one you can get, I think all the legendaries from all the games. Oh, cool. The the ultra, like the remake one. yeah. Yeah. And there's also like better post game battling stuff, just things like that. Also, also, I can't stress this enough. In Gen 7, they made it so that Bulbasaur didn't learn Leech Seed at level 7. But in Ultra 7, they brought that ability back because Bulbasaur Master Race. That's why. Right. And you can keep, like, moves carry over from evolution to evolution in the main series games, right? What do you mean? Like, with Leech Seed, you're talking about Bulbasaur and Leech Seed. If you evolve it to a Venusaur, like, it could still have Leech Seed if you didn't get rid of it, right? Is that how... I, I, yes. I haven't played Pokemon in 20 years. Oh, yeah. You you have to manually overwrite a move right. for it to be lost. Because I'm comparing it Although to the other- Pokemon Go, which... Obviously, like the moves are re-rolled oh, when you yeah. evolve, right? That, that's you just re-roll yeah. when it evolves, and that's a pain in the ass. But yeah, yeah, no, that's. I mean, I'm enjoying the sit games much more because there there's much more strategy involved. Right. Yeah, and, and that's what I miss from Pokemon Go, like the prestiging, like training a gym, like that was my favorite thing to do because I try to, you know, I I love battling, like training up a high level, like you know, hard bottom three or however many. Mm-hmm attack or defenders and like having like the low enough level counters to make the prestige points high enough but you know have the right moves and dodge and all this kind of stuff like i don't remember like i've completely stopped dodging fast moves because like just there's no point um because like my attackers are all high level enough now that i don't need to and just like i don't know if the mechanics change or what but I like I remember before when I use my Jolteon against vapes and gyms, like I'd have to dodge like water gun so that like Jolteon survived yeah. long enough to take down the vape. Right. But mm-hmm. but now you, you just you don't have to do that. Like the only time like yeah, I, I I just don't dodge fast moves and then you just dodge the I dodge more because I like the dodging rhythm, but like I, I I have noticed in the past little while that I like I actually looked at it and thought I think I'm actually taking more damage by continuing to dodge and dragging out the battle yeah. than I would be if I just dropped it to start with. When you're, you're, which is frustrating. You're sacrificing energy gain too, right? Like when you like the the fast moves that you're eating help build up your charge move, right? Yeah. So like you're yeah. you're not getting that as well when you're when you're dodging. But uh, mm-hmm. but no, I I agree with you that there's there's a lot more strategy in the uh, the handheld main series games, and I I am still 
looking forward to uh, the Switch version of Pokemon coming out, which was supposed to, I think, come out this year, but then they didn't because they released Ultra on the 3DS, not on the Switch. So, But that was in November of last right. year. So now, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I said this year. I meant last year. So this year, I think they're supposed to come out with uh, Pokemon for the Switch. Like that's anticipated to be the next platform. Oh man, but I got so much ultra stuff left to do. I just got the game. (laughs) What? Well, like, yeah. And the the other thing is, like, they didn't have this in the games when I was playing it, but now you have like the battle spots that they have, and so like, I think the singles is you have to pick a team of three and then take that and see how far you can get. And like, I've had a lot of fun trying to, you know, trying to get a good team of three that should have good coverage for just about everything. Right. And like, that's so much strategy to it. Like, and Oh my God, I, yeah, my team is mega Venusaur. Well, Venusaur holding Venusaur, right? So it's effectively a mega Venusaur, a Tyranitar and a Mimikyu. And man, like that Tyranitar is just, he is just there to make sure that that team can actually work with using a Venusaur with so many weaknesses because it knows Earth Tyranitar has like Crunch and Stone Edge, which are the stab moves, which work for most things. But then every so often you'll have a Steel type or something that I can't deal with any other way. So it knows Earthquake and a Fire move. Okay. But I'd, I'd like there for the to be that mechanic as well. But in Pokemon Go, where you can only, even if it was just the six that you could only carry with you, so to speak. And like the the way that you could swap them is maybe like visit a gym of your team's color and then you could swap it. So if you're trying to take down like an enemy gym, you just had to use the ones you had. Mm. Whereas, that, so like if yeah. you want to switch, you have to either go over to a, your own gym or take down that gym first and then be able to swap out your attackers or something. And I... I have actually enjoyed trying to build teams of six and then use them instead of just whatever the recommended is. Right. Because I, well, I just, I enjoy that. It's a thing I like doing. Yeah. When the only time I'm ever attacking a gym is basically first thing in the morning when I leave the house, because I have the gym right by my house that I drop a defender in for my coins. And at Mm -hmm. that point, it's typically like fully demotivated. So it's like, I just go in there with whatever like top CP one I have and just run through it three Sweet. times and just use one super potion and I'm healed back up basically. So yeah. like at that point, and that's why I find more of my enjoyment of the game from raids. So trying to build like an optimized team so that in a 20 person raid, I still get a damage ball because if you're below that 5% damage output, right. you don't get your damage ball. Um, or for soloing, then I'm able to, uh, to build teams that way for, um, for taking down the tier threes by myself. Yeah, I am trying to build myself towards being able to solo my champs. Mm. And I think I just have to max out a few attackers. Like I took Oh, I actually have a question for you. Mm. Alakazam. Yeah. Actually, no, never mind. I already TM'd it. <laughs> so it knows it knows Psycho Cut and Future Sight. Okay. But, That's the one I have too. And I I have an Espeon that knows uh confusion and fu- future sight. So I I'm thinking I should invest some Stardust in, into those two, because after that I have a a ho-oh that I brought to level 30 that can just serve as my anchor. Right. And I think that should be good. Yeah, a Dragonite's actually pretty good, like, just from a TDO oh, standpoint. Yeah. So if you've got I a high-level Dragonite, Dragonite, yeah, too. so, like, but even, I think, Outrage still outperforms Hurricane, even when 
Hurricane has a type advantage, but Hurricane is really? almost on par. Like it's just barely worse. Okay. Because um, I have like I, well, God, I have three Dragonites. One that is a Max project. And I'm hoping that Community Day delivers all the candy for Dratini so that I can actually max out my Dragon Breath Dragon Claw one. But I have a Dragon Breath Outrage and a Dragon Breath Hurricane that I also have around level 30. Right. So I feel like they could use some investment for raids. Yeah. Also the Gengarmi, if the army of Gengar, if the Machamp knows dual fighting moves, they're just absolute oh, tanks. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. I'm I'm very envious of your Gengar. Like I I had no idea that all your Shadow Claw ones were that high of E. Like at that point, were you aware? I think you were the first one to introduce me to IVs, like using this self calculator. Was I really? Yeah, because you're like, oh yeah, like IVs are a thing. I hadn't even been on Reddit at this point. Like, and then you told, oh man, and you and then you told me about this calculator, and then I looked up like the Sylph Road, and I was like, oh, it's like a Reddit thing. But at that point, like I I didn't even think that because until he pointed out like oh yeah for like the same arc position you could have different cps i'm like oh yeah that is right oh man in the pre-app days like i'm smiling with the nostalgia (laughs) for this memory but it was terrible like kaya and i would sit in our living room in our downtown calgary apartment with a protractor figuring out the arc positions (laughs) and like which was worth evolving and which wasn't and now i just have calci iv on my computer on my phone you just hit that and it tells you yeah <laughs> oh man those were those are so, the good old days i think when did when did pokemon go come out in canada july 2016 okay so i yeah my my first gengar learned i think it was shadow claw and dark pulse but i always kept it because i was right. like oh man this is my first one i i love that guy and then tms came out and i was like well shadow claw shadow ball is at the time, it was the single highest DPS in the game. It was like, well, the the original Gengar, the OG, deserves nice. that love. And so now I have, I have three Shadow Claw. So, although my preferred one, my preferred one at first was also, I think, my best IV one ever. It was fifteen, thirteen, fourteen, mm. and it learned Shadow Claw Sludge Bomb, which was the original best, right. I think. Yeah, no, that's right. So did you just get lucky then, like having the IVs that you do for your Gengar? Well, I checked them, but like... Oh, so you did know they were that good back when you had them. I knew they were, like, I didn't know the breakdown number by number, but I knew the percentage ranges were good, and that's why I chose them to evolve. Oh, okay. Because Gengar was also one of my favorites from Gen 1. Or no, sorry, Ghastly and Haunter were my favorites, even though I never actually had a Gengar. (laughs) So the the Gengar in that game was one of the first Gengar, or the first Gengar I ever had. Right. And also the Golems and Machamps were the first ones I ever had because I never traded in the original games. Oh, you have to trade those to evolve them? Mm -hmm. Okay. And now I got, I have so many of all of those. (laughs) Which kind of takes away from it, but like you still have the favorites and the the sentimental ones, like your first whatever, like Jolteon. Oh yeah, the sentimental ones are great. And like, also, the ones that have legacy moves, mm-hmm. it's like, even though the legacy move <laughs> is arguably not that good, yeah. like the perfect nine tails that I had, it knew whatever the dark quick move was. And I was like, oh, that's just attack. not happening. Yeah. yeah. So I switched that to fire spin once that was a move that it could use. But then it had flamethrower, which was legacy. And I was like, mm, 
we'll keep that one. Right. It sounds all right. But yeah. Do you, what, what do you have to say about where Pokemon has gone in the time we've been podcasting? It's <laughs> like just one year, year and a half. Yeah. It's, they're, they're adding a lot more mm. elements to it and they're, they're making efforts to make it more friendly to casual players. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, it got very toxic with the old gym system. And I think they went a bit too far with reworking the gym system. But I think the way they made it is still better than the way it was, like all things considered. Uh, like just with the idea of like the gym shaving and, you know, the scanners being used to find the hundred percenters. So they sit up top in the gym and all this kind of stuff like that. I could like couldn't care less for. I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> like, I still like there to be an incentive to like powering up a defender and working to like get and stay in a gym. But given like the condition it was in before the change, like I'd still prefer the way it is now than the way it was. Yeah. Um, I still would like prestiging to be. Oh, a thing, absolutely. But- yeah. But if, if I had to also bring back the other stuff, then I'd still prefer what we have now. Which reminds me, I think I need to actually get rid of an army of Parasect and Raticate <laughs> that I still have from the prestiging yeah. day. Oh, also, like, I have a bunch of Pilaswine still. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they were great for Dragonite Towers. Or, yeah. Um, and, like, with the weather system, it's made it more uh, accessible to get, like, strong Pokemon. Like, for people who, who oh, don't yeah. have, again, who don't use scanners or just don't have time to farm a lot, like, go to nests. Like, basically, whenever there's weather, like, there's a nest right there. So, yeah. it, it makes it really easy to, like, accumulate candy for for those evolutions. And then you get a high-level, you know, wild spawn that you don't have to invest any Stardust into. And right away, you have, like, mm-hmm. a viable gym attacker. So, um, And I've really enjoyed the Machamp and the Hariyama that yeah. that's yielded. Yeah. Like, I have, like, literally over a thousand Machop candy right now. <laughs> oh like they're they're very very common <laughs> downtown oh, they're, they're really common downtown yeah, yeah yeah no exactly and that and comes back to like because you keep saying like oh yeah i don't have like a good machamp army yet i'm like how can you not <laughs> like how yeah, i'm like oh what right. do you even do with your time Nick? <laughs> jeez <laughs> what do you mean you don't sit between three pokestops and bounce around them all day <laughs> man i remember when my apartment was at a pokestop oh, oh my god yeah <laughs> But, uh, what a life I lived. Yeah. What privilege. <laughs> I didn't even like keep anything that wasn't an ultra ball because I was like, I always have over 100 ultra balls. This just isn't worth yeah, it. No, exactly. But uh, yeah, no, as far as the game changing, like it's it's definitely on the right track. And like with the legendaries, it's, it's added some excitement to the game and, you know, finding what legendaries next and building a team for that and that kind of thing. Um, so I like I think it's in a good place. Like it's, it's still keeping my interest. Um, but I, I would like there for to be you know, player versus player elements, even if it's not strictly like two people battling each other, but have some more, yeah, more strategy mechanics to the game where you're not just Mm -hmm. like running in there with your strongest. Like you have to look at, you know, type advantage a bit more and off type moves and, you know, maybe CP limits or, you know, only one of each type in your party to, to battle in certain situations, that kind of thing. Like, so, yeah, like you could apply gym rules to it. Yeah, no, exactly. And and I like, think like the no battle legendaries, party, no duplicates. Yeah, like they, they have already come out with like the battle party system, like that implementation. 
So it's, it's they obviously have rules and they, they have the ability to set rules for a battle party. So your battle party cannot have more than whatever type of Pokemon, right? So mm-hmm. I, I'm hoping that is what it's moving toward where like either certain gyms or, you know, you can during certain times, like a gym, you can only use this type of Pokemon in again, in your battle party, because before like the concept of a battle party wasn't really a thing, but now they, yeah. they've also implemented in their code, this idea of like a container that holds a certain number of Pokemon and that code can kind of verify or qualify what's inside that battle party. So I, I think there's a possibility they'll, they'll have those types of things in it, but at this point they don't but i think like it's still it's still going down the right path anyway okay i'm gonna have to pause here because i i was shifting around and the upper half of my onesie has gotten caught in the wheels of the chair i was sitting in (laughs) i'm so glad the camera isn't on right now okay i'm back (laughs) um yeah so i mean Pokemon update, brilliant move by Nintendo slash the Pokemon company because I've now bought a 3DS and two <laughs> games. And I'm probably going to buy more. Right. Like, I might do an Ultra Sun or a Sun just for, you know, doing a bunch of different playthroughs. Right. And, uh, yeah, the one thing that I think I don't... Hmm, the two things that I would like to see most out of Pokemon Go are breeding, because as tedious as it can be, breeding is something I enjoy sitting and grinding out in the main series games to get like the good IV, like ideally planned attackers. Right. And the other thing, like <clears throat> they said when they first came out with Pokemon that the spirit of the Pokemon would be maintained. And I feel like some of that is missing with many pokemon but especially venusaur what do you mean by the spirit like you're talking about pokemon go right now like you mean yeah like because they were saying you know abra is super frustrating because it teleports right and so they they their example there was they gave abra a super high flea rate so it always 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 runs away from you but venusaur is an absolute tank and it's best move like it's signature moves are in my opinion anyway leech seed giga drain and synthesis like and synthesis could be especially interesting given given the weather component now because under normal conditions synthesis will do will recover half of the hp if it's like a sandstorm or hail or i think cloudy weather would cloudy or rainy it only recovers a quarter right and if it's sunny it recovers like two-thirds or three-quarters or something like that and that could be super interesting with gyms yeah i like think if it's, like if it's charge move just recovered hp right. or like giga drain leech seed just is a slow trickle which would be fun and then giga drain like it's it's an actual grass attack like base power 70 because you don't want it to be too overpowered but it refunds a third of the HP or of the damage you did as HP to yourself. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think status effects and abilities could be a logical mechanic to introduce. I mean, that's not even status effects and abilities though. That's just like re- HP recovery. Cause like even Alakazam who knew 
what was it? Alakazam and Starmie had it. I want to say it was like Recover. I have no idea. <laughs> or like Snorlax with Rest. Right. And Snore. Like, can you imagine if Snorlax was in a gym and just like recovered its HP all of a sudden? I feel like that's horrifying you and that's I'm, why you haven't said I'm just anything. Trying to, I'm just trying to think like how you'd implement that if it like if it like you're saying have rest as a move or it'd be just an additional thing that it could do when it was a defender. Oh man, as rest. But then like if Snorlax was asleep, it could only use yawn for so many seconds. Mm-hmm. Like that would be super cool, I think. Right. But then then they're starting to get into making it like a main series game territory and i think they've they've made conscious efforts to not have it be that yeah you're you're absolutely right it definitely is and i guess needs to be for whatever reason a mobile game yeah and like again you have, i just want sprouts mcgee to be the best yeah like you, you have to think about like the casual player and again i don't mean that as like a pejorative like it's like someone who isn't familiar with pokemon like this is their first experience with pokemon and like they may not know what a type advantage is um you know so so if you're are you talking about rob no i'm not talking about rob <laughs> <laughs> like just like be like why is my attack not doing as much right like and they like they don't know and that's fine like it's not they don't need to to participate in the game like they did before when you're prestiging and that kind of thing but they've taken that stuff out which is part of why they did that but when you start having like you know your the defender randomly like refunds like all of his health because it rested it's like oh that was weird like why did it do that it's like this game sucks like (laughs) right so yeah i guess like it could be so well balanced by yawn though maybe it could just rest once (laughs) And then it had to yawn the rest of the time. But like then it'd be a timer battle. Yeah. Anyway, that's my wild and crazy idea for the day. Yeah. I mean, like two years after its release, we're still playing it. So that must be saying something. Yeah. And I mean, well, having you guys to talk about it too or is a big reason that I still play. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And playing with Kaya is the only reason that she still plays, I think. Right. And so once... Once Harry Potter Wizards Unite comes out, I'm going to lose my playmate. <laughs> Is she going to start playing that one? Oh, she's absolutely going to play that one. She loves Harry Potter. Right. My mom has... My mom, for a while, like was just getting exhausted by the number of phone calls she was getting. So, she changed the, the ringtones for a couple of us. And her ringtone for kaya is the harry potter theme from the movies oh i think and I she kind of laughed yeah. when she told me and then i said oh my god i'm gonna tell kaya that because she's gonna love it and it's like kaya's favorite thing about mom's phone <laughs> that's funny i like that theme it's a good theme yeah. makes a good ringtone mm-hmm. i've heard it <laughs> yeah is that it have we have we talked ourselves out i think so two hours later? Yeah, we're at two hours now it's pretty good well happy 150th mike Happy 150th, Nick. See ya. Toodaloo.